This time loop thing. How did you get out of it? I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. Now, obviously, the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. Welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world, and I have to deal with them. I'm your host, Molly Marsh, and I am quite obviously coming to you from my home. Um, I've, uh, I'm have i on a bit of a break from making podcasts uh, at the moment, uh, as you all know. Um, I, I, I might come back uh, before the lockdown, I might come back after, um, depending on how long uh, the lockdown uh, ends up lasting. Um, I like to make podcasts in person where I can, and obviously that's not um, that's not feasible right now. Um, but I, I have made uh, I have made one podcast um, uh, to kind of to kind of uh, keep you going uh, in uh, uh, during this break, and it is with my friend Will, um, who you'll know from other podcasts, Will Shaw, um, who recently has written a book uh, in the Black Archive series on uh, the Doctor Who story, uh, The Rings of Akaten. Uh, so this is something we've been planning to do for a while. Um, we watched the Rings of Akaten together, um, and we and we talked about it. So I'm hoping that um, that you guys will will stick the episode on uh, during this during this podcast as well, and and watch along. Um, will um, has watched the episode many 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 times and has done a lot of research about it. So had some really interesting um, thoughts, and I have to say, uh, every time I watch uh, the story, it, it it gets better as well. Um, but yeah, this is episode ninety nine, so. The next episode will be uh, number 100, and I have got something special planned, but it, it's taken me quite a while um, to put it all together, um, and it involves uh, a few collaborations with some different people um, who are who are very busy people, um, so I'm not sure when that'll be ready, but hopefully um, it's, it's not too far in the future. Um, I hope you're all managing at home. I hope you've all been enjoying the, the uh, tweet-alongs organised by Emily Cook and others. And um and yeah, I hope you I hope you're all safe and and well. And uh, I suppose that's all all I kind of got to share. Um, so without further ado, oh, I should add by the way that this this is not my usual recording quality. It sounds all right. It sounds pretty good. Um, but I was an idiot and um made a mistake with my with my recording uh, quite early on. So um, I've had to use the backup recording that um that Will made. Um. Uh, usefully uh, with his computer, so it, it 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 sounds fine. It's just not as crisp as you you might be used used to from me. Um, but anyway, uh, without further ado, um, here is my conversation during the Rings of Akaten with Will Shaw. Um, let's make a start then. I'm right. here with um, Will Shaw, um, who has been on the podcast a number of times before. I never thought I would have to recording the skype podcast with somebody who lives in london and i see on the regular um but such is our current situation how are you holding up in the uh how you're holding up in these times of covid 19 well i agree it is weird because we live about like 20 minutes away on the bus um and yeah it is just i mean i think i'm doing as well as can be expected uh I, like a lot of you i suspect uh i, I imagine i'm i'm watching a lot of old doctor who to yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah. Uh, keep me calm and keep me uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh, in a sensible sort of headspace. But yeah, I think I'm doing all right. Um, uh, it's Easter now as we record this, so I've got uh, some time off work. And um, yeah, uh, uh, I think coping as well as can be expected. I hope you are too. I am. Yeah, I've got I've got a few tabs open on my computer. I've currently got Netflix open, and it's just been playing Before the Flood. Uh, I've got a uh, BritBox open that was playing Invasion of the Dinosaurs, <laughs> and I've got um, a YouTube tab. Uh, that was playing um, the Doomsday music uh, by Murray Gold. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm using this opportunity to completely immerse myself in as much old Doctor Who as kind of 
comfort food. All, all, uh, at, as the can. all at the same time. That would be... Uh, I mean, that would be hellish, wouldn't it? No, I, I'm, I'm flitting between uh, various... Uh, various uh tabs and experiences my my one of my best friends um as you know who is was not a doctor who fan before and who's featured on a couple of my episode review podcasts in in that role has now just fully become a doctor who fan uh which i'm really enjoying and we're, and we're sort of remotely watching um the the moffat years together which has been really nice um Ooh. the experience all that again uh right uh, with, with fresh eyes Oh, fantastic! And with all the um, the Twitter events and things happening at the moment, that's been exactly that's been really fun. That's been that's been like a, a ray of a ray of light in all of this is going on Twitter and seeing oh. Stephen Moffat shit posting about his own. Oh, episodes. I know, isn't that fantastic? And Russell looks like he's just keeping his Twitter account, which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> the the next one's tonight, right? Doctor's wife. Uh, yes, as we record, um, I think, yeah, uh, Neil Gaiman's coming along, and I think the director and some other people as well. That'll be... Uh, so yeah. exciting. When yeah. are they going to do the Rings of Akatendo, Will? <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, is what, that is what we're here to do, though. We, I, we've been talking about this for absolutely ages, because... Yeah. We cover the episodes that Twitter is too good for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we, we talked about this for ages, because, Will, you've... So there's this series of books called The Black Archive that published by Obverse Books that I've talked about on the podcast before because I've had various authors on um, who've written instalments. And, and they're essentially sort of dissertation length um, analyses um, or essays on Doctor Who stories, right? Yeah, basically. Um, the analogy I quite like to use is it's a bit like um, the 33 and a third books, you know, mm-hmm. those critical looks at individual albums but for Doctor Who so it's yeah yeah. yeah, so it's uh, we found we found a niche product and made it even niche which is uh, the beauty of of Doctor Who fandom so yeah Yeah. one on the rings of Akaten and it's been in the in the workings for absolutely I mean since since before we even knew each other it feels like you know I've always known you in the context of oh Will's writing a book about the rings of Akaten which is so it's amazing to actually see the fruits of your labour come to fruition, and it's been amazing to actually get to read the book and and kind of um, yeah see see the 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 things that you've been talking about there on the page. Well, uh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I um, yeah I, I I got the commission in uh, at the start of 2018, so uh, it's been just over two years um, working on this, and uh, so yeah, so I, I got commissioned. Um, before I, I believe our first podcast was like summer 2018 so it was like that's uh, right yeah uh, just before that so um yeah it's been it's been it has been just yeah I know what you mean it's sort of it's just been a part of my life for uh for, for such a long time and um lots how of... many times have you seen the rings of Act 10 oh um <laughs> So someone I did I did a I did an AMA on Twitter about this and someone asked me that and I said like I stopped counting a long time ago. <laughs> I feel like um like in Day of the Doctor like I I I've lost tra- I've lost track. I've, yeah, I've no you've, you've lost count of the dead children. Definitely. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've just realised that's such, that's a horrible analogy. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, but um, it's definitely in double figures. Uh, I don't know that it's in triple figures, but I imagine it will get there soon mm. enough. So, um, but that's great because I, I genuinely love it, and it's just well, uh, you'd have to love it, wouldn't you, to spend two years writing at length about it, really? Yeah, I think this is something that um, oh, I've not read all of the Black Archives, but I think just you know from from knowing other authors and stuff, I think you yeah, you're right. You do have to love something because you know. Uh, the book the books are like 20 to 40,000 words and you dedicate that amount of time to something you kind of have to love it or you know be fascinated by it uh, and I am which is which is which is handy but I think I'd have struggled if I was writing this about I don't know Smith and Jones or something which I really like but I don't know if I could dedicate to exactly it, it requires something more than like doesn't it I mean just this just to use one example um there's a part in the book where but for a, for a particular reason in, in your argument, you have to point out the, the actors of colour that are in the cast and they're all background actors and you name the three background actors. And I was reading that, I was thinking, that, I bet that took him quite a while to figure that out. And then I messaged you about it, asking, oh, how long did that take you to find out the names of those people? And you said it took you two days of crawling through casting websites. So that is that is just a little insight into the how long this must have taken you. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, like it's yeah, it's funny. And the kind of absurd tasks you found yourself uh, undertaking. Oh yeah, I mean uh, all sorts of just um, you know bizarre, uh, <laughs> you know bizarre stories like that, and trying to work out. Um, well, try, trying to work. I, I, there's there's another one where I, I come across the word um, I, the word psychometry appears in the episode, mm. and I, uh, uh, I I was researching that that concept because I've not heard of it before, and I I found it at first occurred in Doctor Who in the Keys of Marinus, and so I thought, right, well, that's um, that's a whole that's at least uh, you know a paragraph right there. So uh, <laughs> lots of you know in depth thinking about not just the Rings of Akaten, but how it relates to things like the Keys of Marinus. Um, uh, I mean, I, I spent a little while playing the long song. I recorded myself playing the long song on the piano and explaining the various uh, key signature changes in the long song to you uh, in a message because yes, um, that, that's obviously necessary in the Rings of Act because the long song is such a, a huge part of it. Yeah, this this is this is sort of my guilty secret, and you're right. You you, you are a massive help in uh, in in putting this together. Is that um, I I have absolutely no training in music, so I had to I had to just um, um, you know I uh, so, so um, there's there's about a thousand word section where I talk about what the long song uh, is doing musically, and I basically had to I had to talk I had to you know talk to you and um, a couple of other friends and one of my editors just what what is this music what's going on here <laughs> I, I don't understand which you know i kind of created a rod for my own back there but it's um um but yeah it was uh yeah just lots of like very odd research tasks like that and mm. obviously I'm, I'm very grateful to um well, to people like you who uh who uh are patient enough to you know uh to, to help me through stuff like this and how does it feel now to have all of that out there in the wild for people to to, to buy and read I mean, I'm very proud of it. I'm, um, I'm, I'm enormously proud of that book. I think, uh, I think it's, it's the best. I, it's the best version of that book that I could have done, like, um, uh, or, or that I could have done, you know, as I am now, as a 24-year-old uh, man. Sure. But, um, sure. but I think, um, well, it's, it's slightly odd because the book was re- released ahead of schedule because, uh, um, uh, because you know, obviously everything's gone into lockdown and it was put out it was put out a couple of weeks early because everyone's stuck at home uh, nothing mm-hmm. to do. so it's a very odd yeah it's very odd sort of going on social media and you know um talking about hello please buy my book about this doctor who episode while you know if, while, while you know it's a global pandemic so it's, yeah it's, i hope it's not put too, put too much of a dampener on it for you no, absolutely. And, you know, um, if, if that was the worst, uh, if that was the worst result of the uh, of the coronavirus for me, I'll be very lucky indeed. <laughs> but um, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, it makes it a slightly odd environment in which to promote something like this. But um, but I am enormously proud of that book. And I, I yeah, I've, I've basically nothing but nothing but positive feeling. And I've had lots of like lovely messages from friends and family telling me that they enjoyed reading it and that's just that's just the best and and before we start the commentary what i know the book's about the rings of act 10 um but what is it really about <laughs> uh well um elements of a performative text coalesce to create semiotic thickness and uh <laughs> um uh well it's about uh it's about lots of things um so yeah, as you say, it is about the Rings of Akaten, but um, sort of my starting point is that. I mean, it, what's it, what was interesting for me reading it is that the first, it, sorry to interrupt you, but the, the first kind of few, few pages, the Rings of Akaten is barely mentioned at all, mm-hmm. um, which is which was really intriguing. That was yeah, that was something that um, that was something that I was uh, quite pleased with. Um, there were version that, but uh, the version that's in. Because um, I, I deliberately sort of I have sort of a long walk up to the Rings of Akaten, um, but there were version there there was a draft of the first chapter um, where I didn't even mention Doctor Who for the first two thousand words, and my editors did say to me, Look, "You need to," uh, or my <laughs> editors like like beta readers friends did say to uh-huh. me, "Look, you need to bring in Doctor Who earlier." <laughs> you know, <it's>, um, <laughs> there's a and, reason and they people were, have this. Yeah, they were absolutely right. And, you know, much as it's fun to, to mess with readers' expectations, you, you can go too far. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, like, um, but what I'm talking about, um, and I think I, I, it's it's all about Doctor Who. Like, I, I'm not I'm not trying to sneak in some, you know, um, 
Marx, you know, a Marxist treatise here, but it is um, the first, like the starting point for the book is that the Rings of Akaten is a very useful way into um, what's known as uh, the new atheist uh, movement. Um, people might have heard of this, it was pretty popular um, a decade or so ago now, but um, if, if you haven't, you, you almost certainly have heard of uh, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, uh, these sort of, uh, this group of sort of um, what are sometimes called militant atheists who led this, uh, or were sort of the figureheads of this sort of resurgence in popular interest in atheism from about from about 2004 to about 2010, but I argue it peaks in about 2006-07, so just before the Great Recession, and manifests in things like Richard Dawkins making a cameo appearance in Doctor Who. Yeah. And, uh, would, it, would it be wrong to include Ricky Gervais in that group? Um, certainly he's clearly influenced by them. Um, like I don't, I don't know Ricky Gervais's work. Perhaps, I, I would say maybe he, I mean, he's, not, he's clearly not um, the same kind of figure as them, but maybe he's maybe he's a um, a spokesperson for them in the mainstream a little bit. Absolutely, um, certainly uh, the U.S. sort of the U.S. equivalent, Bill Maher, absolutely was, um, and I think still is to an extent. But I know him even less than I know Ricky Gervais. Um, but um, but yeah, that particular school of you know very um, uh, sort of capital R rationalist. Uh, you know, secularist, um, very, very, very militantly pro-science and pro-skepticism, anti-religion anti uh, sentiment. Um, and because it, came, because it came about in sort of late 2000s, Britain and America, uh, it's, 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 you know, absolutely steeped in the politics of the time. And in particular, I argue the uh, often Islamophobic and uh, otherwise very dubious politics of the war on terror. Um, and yeah, and that's sort of my way into that is sort of the, the Rings of Akaten is a very useful way into this movement and particularly how this movement has impacted Doctor Who itself, because um, uh, Rusty Davies in particular has been very explicit that a lot of his ideas for Doctor Who, well, not a lot, but a significant, a significant number of his ideas came from Richard Dawkins. So he, he writes in... Uh, the collected script book for series one that uh, Bad Wolf, sort of this structuring idea of the first series, comes from Richard Dawkins's idea of the meme, which is uh, this, it's not it's not a theory I find particularly persuasive, but uh, it's this idea that uh, ideas and the way ideas uh, affect society uh, are in some way analogous to genetics. So a meme is the equivalent, is the cultural equivalent of a gene. And so um, in creating Bad Wolf, Rose creates sort of a meme that uh, that you know spreads spreads across time and space and sends a message in ways that are sort of, that sort of roughly analogous to um, what Richard Dawkins is talking about when he talks about memes. And I, I guess that it's interesting thinking about in the book you you point out that actually it 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 is analogous but not quite because Rose acts as a sort of meme author when mm. she when she um, creates the bad wolf, whereas whereas Dawkins stipulates that no such thing exists and that that means kind of happen of their own accord right yeah I, I don't know about of their own accord but they sort of uh, they arise uh, they arise without necessarily any one individual creation. yeah much much like genetics yeah absolutely um and actually thinking about the the use of the word meme in in the present day i would say that memes have shifted from being something that was almost an accident and that multiplied kind of by accident across the internet and across culture into things that are more authored now. You know, things will, things will, memes will have a clearer genesis now, I think, than they, than they used to. Yeah, and there are, there are, I mean, it helps that just, you know, uh, they've been around long, they've been around long enough that enough people have seized on memes as, you know, a means of, you know, artistic expression or sort of cultural intervention. Like, I'm, I, I, one meme meme group I particularly like is um, I don't know if you know this uh, Island Simpsons fans on Twitter and that's a, a, a you know a group of people who are fans of the Simpsons live in Ireland and uh, use it to talk about politics and so on and that right, right. that sort of thing would have been unthinkable well not unthinkable but just unheard of even ten years ago let alone um, when Dawkins first came up with the meme in, in the sure. um, I mean he, even things like the way that the the way that more um, more kind of official brands or 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 institutions um communicate via means would have been unheard of 10 years ago thinking about like the bbc um social accounts will will 
post meme content, won't they? That absolutely, yeah. It, that, and, and will get on particular meme bandwagons. I mean, that sort of thing would have been unheard of. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, until very recently. Yeah. So it's like the meme of the meme has become more um, has become for more sure. Yeah. And sort of institutionalized. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is uh, which is very fun. Um, which is a very fun. Thing about them, but is 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 very little to do with uh, Richard Dawkins's own um, original formulation of the meme. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Should we crack on with the commentary, Will? Yes, absolutely. Um, In true Galactic uh, Yo-Yo form, the the only two episodes I've I've done commentary tracks on are, are now obviously the Rings of Akaten today and once before Love and Monsters. Yes. So that's I think that says a lot about uh, about the podcast. Only good things. Yeah. <laughs> Only the best in this house. Let's hope. Right. Hang on a second. Are you ready to go, Will? Uh, yeah, when you are. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Oh, that was really satisfying. I could hear your space bar. As I, you know. <laughs> and we open, of course, with some leaves, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. to seed to, to what, what will um, affect the rest of the episode. Of course, ghost, ghost Town by the Specials here, which... UK number one single by the specials. Yeah, and a song that feels very appropriate to this this uh, this particular time. Mm. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. And there it goes, the most important leaf in human history. Is, is that the same issue with the Beano that was in um, the the trailer for the the World Cup trailer? It is. I was Weird. so pleased when that turned up again. <laughs> and it must have just been that, you know, they, they had that prop somewhere. But it's... Oh, my stars. There we go. First yeah. use of Oh, my stars. Beth yeah. Oh, my stars. Axford um, has has yeah. used uh, that name on Twitter. It's a shame they never ran with as a catchphrase, you know. Even if uh, I'm going to hold up my hands and say I do find it quite an annoying catchphrase. But uh... <laughs> fair enough. Um, oh, I, oh, I love this scene. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I just um, I find this scene very moving. Just I love this music, man. It's so good. Clara's yeah. theme is one of my favorite um, one of my favorite little bits of music. Oh yeah, absolutely, and you know, appears in some of the best scenes in Doctor. Definitely. This is uh, this is definitely up there with the diner in in Hellbent. But um, yeah, they're really selling that. But uh, and the, the the rain gives it a nice sort of yeah things in a funeral sort of feel. I absolutely hate this dialogue though. Oh really? I just think it's so um, it it's so not something a person would say, which isn't isn't always a prerequisite for good dialogue. But I think here it seems very I don't know uh, yeah it seems very forced. Oh. Uh, well I, I I've sort I've always sort of taken it as sort of in line with the you know sort of storybook tone that this is going for. Oh, yeah, I, I suppose if you look at it as a sort of dreamlike sequence or a, a, a more kind of sketched out story sequence, I think it yeah. works better. Yeah. It's like uh, it's it's almost like um, uh, a story that a parent might relate to a child, which is uh, obviously yes. in keeping yeah. with the themes of this. I love I love the color palette of these early scenes. They're things very autumnal, you know, all these sort of dark sort of light and dark browns and uh, yeah it's lovely yeah sort of and the gray sky that's very that's very very british he uh, very rarely fastens the waistcoat like that does he oh really I, I, yeah notice that <laughs> uh even, even the costume looks a bit brown oh there we are i i good little bit of class uh, casting there she she really does look like jenna i think yeah there we have uh oh the the scene the, the red coat is nice it sort of gives it a nice little red riding hood feel um and of course her main name is ellie ravenwood which is just delightful given fantastic later, yeah later, later a lovely accident <laughs> yeah um how much older than jenna coleman do you think the actor playing her dad is <laughs> no idea i think probably about seven or eight years older at most <laughs> yeah um well uh, and here we are. The um, uh, she's not possible. <laughs> yeah, these scenes are dodgy. Oh, I oh I love them. Um, it's just I I love the like I say I love the color palette and the production and I think the actors really sell it. You know, um, the cup. I particularly like. Uh, Disappointed I didn't put this in the book actually, but I particularly like the cup from her kicking a ball as a toddler to the ball hitting the doctor in the head. That's nice. Yeah, that is really good. <laughs> The, these titles, these these titles, oh, these titles are hokey. Yes, um, absolutely um, hideous. 
I, I like the return of the actor's face. I like having Matt, seeing Matt Smith's face there. Yeah, it just I think it just overall looks cheap though, especially this this CG Tardis model here looks. Oh, it's not good. Okay. Ah, uh, here's Clara saying. Yes. yes. You talk about this scene at length in the book um, <laughs> about it having having been filmed much later than the rest of the episode and how it's interesting that they that they choose to to put this in there. I won't I won't spoil uh, the book yeah. by going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite proud of that bit of analysis, but I think part of me also just likes the uh, the perversity of talking about this sort of <laughs> twenty second uh, that tiny that tiny scene. Yeah, yeah, the TARDIS, the TARDIS, um, the this TARDIS scene is quite nice. Like, um, it's it's really nicely blocked. Um, it's something something I didn't notice until a few watches in the the plate where the characters are. Uh, is always is always being used interestingly to sort of to tell the story in this scene. Um, I think talk- lots of directors are really good at shooting this particular TARDIS set. I think it was probably really easy to shoot in. Yeah, um, and people are, are really good at finding like uh, new and interesting ways to to use it. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look quite as good as it does under Capaldi though. I really don't like the steam being all over the place. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, there's too much steam. It feels like there's something wrong. It feels like something yeah. broken. Yeah. Um, that isn't smoke, it's steam from the steamed class. Sorry. Um, I love the wipe there. It's very Star Wars. Ah, this scene. This scene, this scene's just very nice. Um, to name drop, actually, in the book, I, uh, I managed... Um, Farron Blackburn, the director, very kindly interviewed me, and he said this scene was one of his favourites, just because um, Jenna Coleman is selling this, uh, you know, opening her eyes a bit. There it is, and there's the cut. That's it's you know the CGI has has dated, but it's still just a, a very nicely designed vista. There. Defo. Uh, and then the, the reveal of the pyramid is uh, again. Uh, Matt Smith wears his watch very oddly, but um, I wore my watch on the inside for years like that because of Matt Smith. Thought <laughs> it was so cool. There you are. People used to ask me that because Matt Smith wears it like that, and he used to go, no, no, no. Uh, I had a teacher who used to wear it like that. Um, he was like Matt Smith in that respect and no other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, there we have the. Uh, I, I, li- I like the uh, sort of the lighting in this is very nice. The sort of again, it's quite autumnal. The sort of mm-hmm. sort mm-hmm. of sort of golden brown light. Um, in a sense, it's what they believe. It's a nice story. And again, I, I make a lot of hay out of the line, but it's such a nice line. Yeah. And this this is nice. This sort of um, uh, the hand holding scene here. This uh, parallels when uh, uh, the doctor takes Mary's hand later on. Oh. That's uh, the sort of thing you only notice after watching it like twenty times, right? This is what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, now, and again, this is some ingenious set dressing and, and costume and prop design, isn't it? Like oh, yeah, they've absolutely. clearly done this on the cheap, and yeah, it does look quite good. And the yeah. masks look great, and yeah. Yeah, the, the the makeup and effects is really nice, and it's yeah, it's it's really it's really using the space well. Um, yeah, the are uh, you able to say where any of these masks and costumes come from? Are you able to give us a rundown of some of that? Um, I know some of them. Uh, I know there's like bits of reappropriated oud uh, costume, and right, there's the right. from Love and Monsters somewhere yeah. there. Um, I've had. I think this set is actually. Um, uh, a redressed set from the snowmen it's uh, it's the uh, sort of snowy victorian street that they oh no way yeah yeah there's an interview with michael pickwood he talks about this and talks about wanting to make it like star wars and sort of the outer huh. space outer space movies of the 60s and 70s which they've really captured well that sort of there's a really there's a real richness and texture to these there's uh, the use of color is really nice after after the uh, the opening the opening scenes are, are very are lovely but they're very muted and very very Sort of there's your hoiks almost damp but this is this is much this is you know immediately there's much more color here um uh, what that is that she's eating there uh it's, it's jelly it's, probably it's, it's a it's a rubber ball with uh, an led light in the bottom of it oh is it <laughs> yeah yeah it's in uh, the complete history huh uh, the complete history part works are like the gold standard of this for the, for the black archive series uh, ne- nearly everyone uses them uh, his uh, his Doreen uh, got an apostrophe in the name, so you know it's Spacey. 
<laughs> it's a Chibnall touch. Yeah, well, it's 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 like um, Darren in um, Oxygen, you know. Uh, uh, true. Although Darren. that's that's almost sending up. Oh, I suppose Doreen is as well, isn't it? It's kind of sending mm-hmm. up that uh, apostrophe trope. Yeah, which is it's nice, you know. It's um, uh, Uh, psychometry there it is um <laughs> objects psychically imprinted with their history is also uh what the murder case in uh um in the keys of mariners turns on which is oh right cool cool so i'm sure i'm sure there's a fan theory that akaten is in the, the mariners system somewhere uh i wouldn't be surprised you wouldn't be surprised if yartek jumped out from from this <laughs> i love that i love the the sort of suspicious looking um uh, conical flasks and stuff that were in the background just a moment ago. <laughs> they don't quite fit with what the rest of this is going no. on. No. <laughs> um, oh, there's Mary, first appearance of Mary. Yeah, oh, and here come here come the choristers. I, li- I like that they look at her like she's just daft, not knowing who the Queen of Years is. That's, that's, that's nice. <laughs> I also like the, the Star Trek uh, kind of lines that the... That the more humanoid characters have on their faces to signify that they're alien as well. Yeah, sort of forehead bumps. Very, yeah. very Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, and this set, I think, was redressed. Uh, or is redressed. from Journey from the, to the Centre of the TARDIS, isn't it? Yes, yes, that's right, yeah. Um, it's a distinctive sort of doorway shape. It gives it away. But this was, this was filmed pretty late in uh, production of Series 7. Uh, I forget the precise order, but like... It was written pretty late as well, right? Yeah, it was one of the last, a bit last minute. Yeah, it was one of the last scripts uh, I believe finished uh, for for this, and then because um, they'd already done like Hyde and Cold War and uh, mm-hmm. a few other stories before this one, um, so which helps actually, which uh, you can tell everyone's uh, everyone has a much clearer idea of what they're doing. Uh, uh, Ah, oh, this seems nice, you know. Um, this is a really lovely scene, yeah. Yeah, just um, I like. Uh, it's coming up in a minute, but I like. Um, I like Clara's line that I've never been. I've not never been anywhere like here before. Mm. It's uh, delightful. It, so you forget because we know Clara so well now. It's it's easy to forget um, the work scenes like this do in in or, or did in setting her up as a character. Really. Yeah, it's great. You know, just um, it's she's she's much less. She's much less confident here in ways that she wouldn't be even a season later. You know, she's. Uh, oh my word! Yeah, if this was series eight, she would she would have just like bounded in there and, and would be dominating the situation immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting actually having just just before um before this this uh, podcast recording, having just finished watching Before the Flood, seeing the oh. difference in her behaviour here compared to that story is uh, oh. uh, pretty what... striking. Does anything jump out? I've not, I've not seen that. In a I while. mean, I guess the way she holds the doctor to account, even in that story, compared to this one. I mean, and in series nine as a whole, the way she, she kind of, she has, she has particular expectations of the doctor, doesn't she? Later down the line, whereas here, um, she's still sort of following his lead and and trying to do things within his within his framework a little bit more. Yeah, I like, I like that she doesn't even. Uh, there's no explanation. She doesn't ask for an explanation of where the doctor's been during all this. Which is no, fun. no. Where, whereas I think later Clara would would demand those kind of answers from him. Absolutely. The vigil are a really nice design, aren't they? They're sort of yeah, they're really cool. Mouthless uh, helmets they've got, you know. Um, really nice and probably quite cheap as well. I I wouldn't have the faintest idea. Uh, I don't really know. I don't actually know how much this costs to make. Um, um, no, I think that, that I don't think that kind of information is freely available. I have heard that it's it's about on average a million per episode for Doctor Who. Yeah, I've definitely I've definitely read read reports like that. Um, Obviously, it'll vary episode to episode and season to season, but uh, I think that is the average cost. Uh, but the idea was to be that this episode they wanted something ambitious. Uh, there's an interview with Neil Cross. He says, you know, Moffat asking for a proper sort of alien planet, you know, because mm. uh, alien planets are surprisingly rare. Oh, <laughs> super rare. I mean, the, the first time we go to an alien planet in New Who is yeah. New Earth, and that doesn't really count. Yeah, um, which is uh, which, which was something they were they were um, consciously trying to counteract in this episode. It's yeah. there's, there's, um, 
yeah, there's there's a sense that this is the episode where Clara sort of learns to enjoy traveling, you know, mm. which, which they which they're definitely selling. Uh, oh, I I really like that line. Um, can you pretend I'm a space alien and explain? <laughs> um, and this is nice. This is you know Clara. This is just such a lovely scene because it is Clara is is asking the right questions even though she she admits she doesn't really know anything, but she's uh, you know. Do you think there's some significance to the fact that they're, they're choosing to stage this kind of not inside the TARDIS but but just outside the TARDIS, yeah. kind of to show that 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 Clara is not part of the TARDIS yet, but she's she's sort of trying to imitate it or or to to use it as an example for her behaviour. That is, ooh, I, I hadn't thought of it quite like that, but that that's nice. Uh, I, I like that reading. Um, yeah, I, I, there's also the sense that Tardis doesn't like her, which um, yeah, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't quite go anywhere, but it's, uh, it's very it, nice. It doesn't, but it also sort of makes sense, both in terms of the fact that she ends up being this impossible girl uh, figure and also the fact that she is sort of ends up being the hybrid, right? Yeah, well, she's not she's not quite the Doctor yet, which is nice. Mm. Oh, I like this reference that, you know, she'll find her um, on the moon, <laughs> which is... Uh, in the jungle or the desert or on the egg? <laughs> uh, if I could George Lucas this episode, I would change that. <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> um, oh, and it's nice that this is all being tied in because, I, you know, obviously I've not seen this as much as you have. And mm. I've always um, I, I've always sort of thought of those those scenes with her parents as being... The, the pre-credits and then the, kind of being forgotten about until the end but it was nice to get that little nod back to uh, all that stuff. Jenna Coleman's really selling this here because I really like I really like that you know she tells her this story about her mum but there's mm. there's there's sort of there's sort of undercurrent of sadness to her performance here because obviously yeah um obviously you know her her mum her mum died so there is yeah there is, there is a nice sense in which you know this story might be as much for her benefit as Mary's which is um yeah, which yeah. Is, I just find very touching. Um, also, that that flashback, um, that flashback of her mom. She's holding the uh, 101 places to places see. Places to see book. Yeah. So when they when they flash back to it later, it sort of helps helps set up the ending. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And here they are, the sort of resters. Yeah, making Clara an orphan as well. Is, I mean, again, you talk about this a little bit in the book, um, but it's you know you're not the only person to have written about it, but. This idea of Clara as a as a as a ready-made character from children's adventure fiction, mm-hmm. I think making her an orphan almost adds to the aesthetic of that as well. Yeah, um, you know, often in adventure fiction, children or the protagonists are, 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 are orphans, aren't they? Yeah, and she has her dad, but he's so indistinct that they recast him <laughs> for his one other appearance. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. So I guess she's not technically an, an orphan, but um, yeah, there's got to yeah, be a fun fact here. Yeah. why her dad regenerates that would be uh, <laughs> um yeah oh, that, that 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 mummy costume is is really nice and again that that nice cgi shot of uh, the entire amphitheater which gives gives a sense that this uh, yeah it doesn't look great though does it, it looks no, a bit well, too still i mean maybe it would look better if i had the sound on but um yeah, well, I think the sound really, really lifts it. But something mm-hmm. I something I spotted about a dozen watches in is um, the crowd scene. Uh, the crowd scene is, um, you know, it looks like it's about 40 actors. But if you look closely, you can see... Oh, this. yeah, it's just multiplied for sure. Yeah, yeah. They do that in every crowd scene. I mean, even scenes of like the lecture theatre in Series 10, um, that's all multiplied people as well. Um, oh. I guess it's even easier to spot here, though, isn't it? Because the people are much more um, distinctive. distinctive. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's Clara giving giving Mary the nod, which is, uh, <laughs> and here here begins the long song. Um, long song, which is which is wrongly subtitled in in every version of this that I've come across. Oh really? Yeah, it's it's very odd. It's also um, yeah, it's also it's every everyone seems to transcribe it wrongly for some reason. Um, oh, weird. But all in different ways. Uh, although um, the Netflix subtitles are hilariously wrong. Um, not just for the song. I'm getting the Netflix uh, subtitles. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, this this is this is how much I thought about the episode. Is I pick <laughs> subtitles. Uh, and it's all it's all sort of made up alien names that are misspelled. But it is just strange. Right, right. And again, that's that's quite a nice vista. I like that. I like that outer space is sort of purple. That's uh, yeah. That's it doesn't good... look too bad, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I, like, I like the doctor. A doctor's reading his his history off the back of an envelope. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a, it's an interesting touch that um that they've chosen in the subtitles when it's oh god of Akaten. They've chosen to spell it O without the H, like they, like they would in a hymn book. Yeah, that's nice. That that <laughs> with, that fits with the long song because it is. Yeah. There is something sort of hymn-like to it. It is it is a devotional song, you know. Definitely. And there is a sense like like there is a it's sense. It's musically more interesting than most hymns, though. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, most hymns are just yeah, very very basic, um, so that people can pick them up really quickly. Yeah. Uh, whereas this is a slightly more complex piece of music. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in both versions, because there's there's two versions of it, which again I'll talk about. There's there's the version that they sing later is uh, is notably different uh, in interesting ways. Mm. But uh, oh, and he, and here we see the um here we see the the sacrifice of all the all the gifts in the background. Yeah, which is oddly quick. Which uh, yes, I talk yeah. about this. It, it, it's 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 very blink and you'll miss it. Which is um arguably causes a problem when they, when they need it for the ending oh i love i love that the doctor clearly doesn't know the words <laughs> it, he's like a dad at a wedding trying to sing along with him yeah well i've you know i've 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 been like that because i oh, we've all been in that position haven't we there's been times when i at school i had to go and attend um sort of uh mass and things a few times and it was i yeah it was very relatable <laughs> um and then this something goes wrong here. Some, something something seems to happen, but it's sort of ambiguous as to what exactly goes wrong, as whether, whether this weird. is happen. Because I think it's implied by Chorister Resbethics that something's gone wrong, but it's never quite spelled out what it is, which is which is interesting, you know. Um, yeah, that is weird. It's quite a big moment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there, there is something. Yeah, there's there's a, an interesting ambiguity there. Yeah, for sure. The Doctor wearing Amy's glasses is a weird touch throughout this season, isn't it? Yeah, I quite like it. I find it's it. Lo- it's lovely, but I always forget that they were originally worn by Amy. Um, he must yeah. have had to go and get them refitted with uh, <laughs> new lenses, unless they they just happen to have the same prescription. Yeah, or maybe he's, um, you know, possibly just put in plain glass just to look clever. <laughs> yeah, because he never needed glasses um, in the earlier seasons uh, yeah, at any he, point. So maybe, yeah, maybe he's just putting them on to look clever like like Tennant allegedly did. Yeah, he also, it, it also, they look a bit like uh, sort of the spectacles Hartnell wears in, in some of his stories. True, true. Which adds to the sort of, there, I think I think this can be overstated, but there is like a bit of a Hartnell vibe to some of this stuff. Mm. Um Oh, uh, definitely. I mean, the the, the exploratory uh, feel of the of the first part of it for sure. And then there's uh, the giving up of the ring is quite nice. Like I like the um, I like I like that this is sort of it, in a way it's sort of it's forcing Clara to get involved as much as the Doctor is. Yeah, and also like the Doctor. Yeah, it seems also the Doctor being kind of selfish. Yeah, I was just about to say this episode really does not. Play, I mean, again, you talk about this at length in the book, but. It, it doesn't really paint the doctor in a good light. It's making him kind of put in, in, in the way that often other characters will accuse the doctor of, of putting um, innocent people's lives in, in danger. He's mm. kind of putting Clara's well-being in danger there, isn't he, by making her sacrifice the, link, the ring? Yeah, and there's also someone. Um, I don't know if they want to be named on this podcast, so I won't name them. But um, maybe at me, and we can. Uh, I'll credit you on Twitter if you like. But um, sure. At some point now that he has got something other than the screwdriver because he's got Amy's glasses. Um, oh, of course, he yeah. Doesn't give them up, which is um, um, yeah, potentially cold-blooded. Oh, that's <laughs> quite sinister, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that is. You know, um, that is sinister. Yeah, but uh, it, uh, my friend had to point that out to me because even I didn't notice that. Because so, mm, sure. mm. um, that either implies that he's unwilling to to give them up and is and is making Clara do it instead. Or that they're not valuable enough to him uh, anyway, and 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 maybe you know it, that's not that important to him, which would be even worse to to to, to think that. Yeah, I think I I go with the former, but neither really. Yeah. Neither makes him look good. <laughs> but um... no, because the, the the latter, you know, uh, would suggest then that he's kind of just sort of stolen Amy's glasses. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> he's not wearing them for sentimental reasons. He just thought, oh, they'll do. <laughs> yeah. The screwdriver um, gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of use later in a slightly dubious way, doesn't it? Yeah, it gets um, another another friend referred to it as Harry Pottering, which definitely is, um, it starts to get a bit magic wandy. Yeah, which I, I I don't particularly have a problem with, but it's um, uh, can can be overdone. But um, for sure, it, I think it's always, it's always the way um, also the way Smith brandishes it as well in comparison to previous doctors. Well, they they send this up, don't they, in Day of the Doctor? You know, for <laughs> sure. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Whitaker does a does a similar thing in the way she holds the screwdriver as well. Oh, I, way I, love, around. I, love the, I love the superhero pose she does when she. Yeah. <laughs> I watched um, the War Games the other day, and 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 there's a scene where um, the the sonic screwdriver does just unscrew a screw, um, yeah. and that's that was really great. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Yeah, well, it's 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 so rare these days. Oh, I like I like this moment. Um, I like this. I like the fact that Mary has has just telekinesis, but. We we never find that out until it until it comes up. That's that gives very a nice convenient, air. isn't it? <laughs> it is very convenient, yeah. But it also gives a nice air that you know the Doctor and Clara really are outsiders, and these are people who have have capabilities that surprise that surprise them. You know? Yeah, <laughs> she's got the force. <laughs> oh, Oh, and here we have the obviously uh, Indiana Jones uh, homage, very, very, very consciously like part of the episode's inspiration. Like I don't know if you saw those movie posters they did for. I did, yeah, yeah. Very, very obviously modelled on the ones for for Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. I've not seen an Indiana Jones film in a long time, and I suspect if I went back and watched one, I would um, raise an eyebrow at the I... colonial undertones. <laughs> I had to watch one just for research. I watched Raiders of the Lost. Very good film in lots of ways, but my God, it's so racist. Very dodgy, yeah, yeah. Um, They're supposed to be making Indiana Jones five, um, like next year or something. Yeah, I hear with that. With Harrison uh, Ford, just it, think. Good if that group. goes ahead, given the current climate. Yeah, true, true. I like. He's this, quite scary, like, isn't he, the actor? Yeah, I like that. I also like that he's very callous. He just pisses off. You know. True. Yeah. Um, he just just abandons Mary to her fate, which is uh, very nice. Adds this because um, yeah, because uh, I talk about this like the religion on Akaten. I think the episode the episode clearly confers a, a, a great deal of respect on it, particularly with making a long song such a such an important part of the story. But um, the people actually in charge of the religion are clearly horrible. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that obviously has parallels in in real religions, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot of good to be uh, to be derived from Christianity, for example, but the church, um, in all oh. its many forms, has done some dodgy shit. Yeah, absolutely. And there is um, sort of the flowing robe, sort of uh, sort of a little bit like um, cardinals or, or sort of bishops. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. The, uh, is his, is, um, is the the head of this? Uh, what's this character called? Is this the grandfather? Uh, yeah, I'm accredited as the mummy, but uh, the mummy. Well, the head of this character is a little bit like a sort of papal mitre, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah, that's nice. Um, uh, we have here, have here the classic Matt Smith thing of when he's talking to a child actor, he will he will crouch down so that he's looking, mm. at them, which is uh, which is a really nice, really nice touch. But it's uh, and this is like a classic bit of the Doctor talking to. This is something the Eleventh Doctor in particular is quite. Oh, he's so good at talking to kids. He bonds with kids in this particular sort of way. Um, and this this re- this speech about the universe uh, is very is very reminiscent of stuff in Dawkins. Like it's very mm. uh, the opening chapter of the God Delusion has. Um, and Dawkins is is you know in turn influenced by people like Carl Sagan. But it's very right. uh, it's very key to uh, the rhetoric of new atheism. This wonder in the natural universe. It's making me think of um, the Saranga conundrum, and and the, obviously there's the pr- there's the prayer at the end of that uh, mm-hmm. that closes the episode, but but then also um, you get that speech from the from the thirteenth Doctor, don't you, about the whatever reactor that is, yeah. uh, and the the wonder of of science and everything, and yeah, and she she leads them in the religious sort of family. religious feel to that, and yeah. yes, and she does lead them, yeah, that's true, which is an interesting. 
and there's the uh, the hand the taking taking Mary's hand it's uh, parallels. It's uh, really sweet. Yeah, it's it's nice. Uh, Amelia Jones is very good in this. Um, she's, yeah, she's, she's a good in, actor. Yeah, yeah, she's been in some you know proper films and things since. I, I shouldn't say that. That's that's a bit. Um, that's, a bit <laughs> that's a bit dismissive. But she's very good in she's very good in what we did on our on our holiday uh, with David Tennant actually. Right, right. <laughs> And uh, she's in Lock and Key on Netflix, which I haven't right. seen, but it's apparently a big deal. And she was yeah, in this the Mysteries movie. Right. There's certain episodes that do kind of live or die on the performance of the child actor. And and this is one. And um, Night Terrors is another one. And Eleventh Hour. Um, and and they, they, they all kind of nail it. I mean, the, the only time it doesn't really work is in um, Nightmare on Silver. I, I think the child actors in that are not so great. And it does let it down a little bit. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of it comes down to good direction. Um, definitely, and, definitely. And again, um, in the interview, Blackburn was um, uh, well. He's got just really interesting things to say about you know how to how to direct actors, and there are lots of very deliberate conversations about how to play this. Yeah, such a huge part of being a, a director that I think often gets missed out of the conversation when talking about um, film and TV directing. I think when you yeah. talk about theatre directing, directing actors is one of the first things that will come up, but in in film and TV, it does get um, it does get ignored a little bit. Here's the yeah. here's the screwdriver being used as a magic wand. <laughs> yeah, and then sort of uh, odd sort of force field thing that the, yeah, the it's not there. it's not great. Yeah, there are certain elements of this story, and I, I have grown to love it more over time. But there are certain elements of it that do feel rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know. What I, you mean. Would you agree with that? I know what you mean, like. Uh, you know, if I were rewriting or editing this episode, I would, uh, I would have focused in because the interesting thing in that scene to me is Clara talking to Mary and Mary knowing the secret sort of way out of the temple. That's that's the thing I find most interesting about it dramatically. So I would have I I would have probably restructured it somehow to to put the emphasis on that rather than on, um, yeah. you know, the 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 CGI fighting. But um, but you know, what do I know? I guess you've got in that scene. You've got to keep the. You've, there's got to be the pace something up. for the doctor to do, and there's got to be some a sense of urgency about it. Yeah, yeah. I am conscious that there's the door there behind him, the physical door, and that maybe they could have used that to better effect. Yeah, perhaps. I really like. Oh, there we go. One. Yeah, one thing that I do find a bit frustrating is this: is you you have the whispering vigil over the mummy screaming, and that kind of detracts from them both. Right. You know, right. Sort of. Sort of just there's just that slight issue in the sound design and so it's a bit too much to process the the video actually with the way they whisper and everything and, and not and not too far away from the, the whisper men later in the season yeah actually i wonder, I wonder a little bit was... wasted a really good design kind mm. of um features missing it, it, it's quite um, similar yeah i wonder if the whisper men were conceived of at this point and I, mean, I love I love yeah. Matt Smith's facial expression here. It's he he knows he's messed up and <laughs> quite knows how, how how badly. Yeah, he's very good at that sort of you know naughty kid. He's great. Uh, right. I mean, he's brilliant at everything. Matt Smith. He's so good. Um, oh, there we get. Oh my stars again. Yeah. Did she ever say that in any episode other than this one? Um, not that I remember. No, <laughs> which is a shame. I I really like it. I really like it as a sort of. You know, a demonstration of sort of the generational relationships that a lot of this episode is about. Yeah, yeah, it's useful for that. It's just a sh- yeah, it's a shame it didn't stick actually in that respect, but it is annoying. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm with, I'm with Beth. That should have been a much bigger catch. <laughs> um, ah, the Lake District. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a big finish where they go to the Lake District now. <laughs> Apparently, there are, there are, uh, there's a major police presence around the Lake District because people keep driving there. Uh, for their holidays uh, still even though we're all in lockdown which is oh, infuriating yeah, well, well there, there, there's 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 the doctor who story about it that'll be that'll be there we go yeah oh, it wouldn't it would be horrible too, too, too soon i think <laughs> yeah absolutely um and, uh, we don't walk away um which is very nice as, as sort of uh, a doctory um sort of ethic mm. um, and he, but yeah, and, and actually interesting considering how regularly his successor does walk away. Yeah, I suppose. Next season. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah, 
But I think, but he's always a bit of an asshole when he walks away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love the, I love the silhouette. He's a good shot. It's a really yeah, good shot. Good. In fact, I think so. Um, Will Carlisle, Mr. Tardis, who's been on this podcast a, a few times, actually, and talks about this episode like way back in 2017. Yeah. Um, he's just started a, um, he's just started a, uh, a, a new Twitter account called like One Perfect Doctor Who Shot. It's a bit like that One Perfect Shot one that, that shows all the shots from from various movies. And one of the shots he recently featured was that one. Yeah, the silhouette. Um, in front of the, yeah, the sun. Yeah, the silhouette. It's, it's, it's the same later when Clara turns up. The silhouette gives it a very sort of iconic um, uh, iconic feeling. Um, and the uh, the shot of Grandfather in the Doctor's eye is also just really nice. Gives a nice, mm. sense of, uh, you know, gives a nice sort of sense of interiority in the face of this enormous monster. <laughs> oh, here's the long song again. Yeah, here we are. Um, uh, yeah, which is very. I, I, I can never quite understand where the characters are in relation to each other in this whole sequence. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get where is Matt Smith in relation to Clara, Clara and Mary at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think I don't it, get it. I think the idea is um, he's still on the the asteroid with the pyramid on it, and they've gone back to sort of the main one. Right. Uh, but the yeah. way the way it's framed makes it seem well, like they're much closer, doesn't it? Well, it's because they, I think it might be because they do the trick edit of um, the Doctor walks off and then you get the shot of um, Clara and Mary on the moped having just arrived. Right. Uh, whereas later you get Clara um, speeding off on her own. Um, yeah. And that, we're talking over this this beautiful song, which is, uh, uh, and indeed this this speech, which is just starting up, which I make, oh, yeah. I make a lot of hay of because one of the first even before I thought of doing the book, one of the things that always fascinated me was this episode is not particularly well liked, but everyone is bananas about this speech. Mm-hmm. Understand? Yeah, I mean, it's had it's had something like six million views on YouTube, right? Yes, uh, and only and only half of them are me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, but there is there is this odd sense in which this, this speech sort of, uh, particularly on social media, is sort of sort of seems to roam roam free, independent of the episode it's in. Um, which is very interesting, yeah. you know. It's, it's uh, yeah. And I think it's partly down to Matt Smith's brilliant performance. Oh yeah, he's he's acting the hell out of this. <laughs> he's um, um, so when he says "Come on, then," he does another episode where he says that in that exact way. Which other episode is that? Maybe it's in the um. Is it Pandorica opening? Maybe it's that, in the Pandorica that. speech. Yeah. Because that's the most, because, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I talk about this in the book. That's the most sort of instantly comparable to this one. But the tone is very different. Well, maybe it's Doctor's Wife where he's in the uh, where he's in the TARDIS and he's talking to, to House. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, but it's very, if because you, you compare this to the Pandorica speech, because the Pandorica speech is like, is pure swagger. You know, yeah. Yeah, very, yeah. Very come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Whereas this is, he's much more uncertain. He's much, he's much more... Something melancholic about this, you know. This is more desperate. I mean, I think yes. you know here he's talking to to something he doesn't understand mm-hmm. on a on a planet he doesn't understand in a situation that he doesn't really trust or believe in. Whereas in Pandorica he's talking to his own uh, his own memories, uh, his own enemies rather. Yeah. Um, oh, there's on, the tear on a planet he knows well. The tear and the spit as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very it's very. Um... Yeah, he's, he's, he is very... He's going he's, for it. Yeah, he's going for it. I love this sort of brief, brief sort of look of horror on the planet's face. <laughs> it's, a, and it's, a, it's a shocked react. <laughs> yeah, and this clearly gave birth to the, um, uh, gave birth to the uh, angrily fixes bow tie meme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that the gold sort of suggests regeneration, which is... Which it is does a bit, yeah. And then, of course, the long song is used uh, to score his regeneration, which is again very interesting. It's like this, this something about this song seems to just be tied to this doctor, which is um, yeah, which is, cool. which is yeah, which is cool. And uh, I have uh, for an explanation of why. Um, please read the book. <laughs> <laughs> and here oh, we get, here we go. And here we get Clara's sort of flashbacks, um, and. Uh, and, oh, and the flashback again. Yeah, and there she is holding the book, which sort of seeds that that's where the book yeah. is from. Because we haven't actually seen her taking it to taking it to Akaten. We see her holding it on the stairs. Mm. Then we see her using it here. And there she goes on the uh, the the sort of Star Wars uh, speed bike. Yeah, 
that that does look a bit rough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's Farron Blackburn. You interview Farron Blackburn in the book, and he and he does say uh, that's one of the things, the effects that does look a bit rough still on the episode. Yeah, he wished he wished they'd had more time. Oh, and here's this scene, which is just I I just you know I I, I just find this very touching. You know <laughs> the um, uh, the the sacrifice of this leaf. Mm. I think I don't really get why this stuff with the sacrifices to the to the to the son and the doctor and Clara standing there doing that, the, their speeches has to happen in a different location to this to Mary singing the song. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I think it, it it's a weird choice. Yeah, I think it gives this an intimacy. Like it gives this. Maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like. I don't know. Something about this scene might have felt because it's such a personal scene. It's about loss and about yeah. fulfilled potential. I think. I think. I think I think it would be harder to play against a crowd like that. Maybe, particularly maybe. A crowd, particularly a crowd which isn't very reactive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, There's um, the Doctor being a creepy weird out there the, um, at <laughs> Clara's mum's grave. Yeah, and I really love uh, Jenna Coleman does sort of little look to the side as if she's just realised that that was him, which is uh, <laughs> very subtle. It took me a few watches, but she definitely gets it. I love the sort of sinister sort of tendrils leading out to it there that's uh yeah that's true uh, oh and a, fr- a frowny face on the on the planet here <laughs> oh i love it. it's it's a very expressive planet and there's there's clara we, here as well. we've done the lord's work and we have variously referred to it as a planet and a sun throughout <laughs> this conversation yes it's both like a hybrid <laughs> uh-huh. No, uh, for context, there's a whole appendix of Will's book in which uh, he discusses whether it's a planet or a sun. Yeah, the answer is it's complicated. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the sort of yeah, and that the looks silhouette like... shot. Mm-hmm. That, oh, looks... yeah, that is a weird look, isn't it? Yeah, but it's so it's so melancholic. Yeah, the 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 their silhouettes as it sort of flashes and blinks out. Yeah. It's... And back to suburbia. Yeah, here we are. Home again, home again, jiggity jig. One, one thing, one thing I'd, I, I didn't really talk about is um, there's quite a sort of kid-lit tone to a lot of this dialogue. Like um, when I say time's made of strawberries at the beginning and things like yeah, that. I think yeah, that's, sure. it's, it's very overtly kid-friendly in a way that might have contributed to, you know, some people not being on board a bit. In a similar way to um, In the Forest of the Night, which is, uh, uh, I think, had a similar position. I definitely like this one a lot more than In the Forest of the Night. I think In the Forest of the Night is in a weird position in that it's at once trying to be the kids episode and also being quite cerebral and, and, and for the adult audience as well. Yeah. I don't think it quite works. Now, this scene is nice. There, there, is something, there is something sinister about the Doctor here. You know, I like that he stops clowning the minute he realises Clara's on to him. You know, he's suddenly much more serious. Oh, she, yeah, so this is her getting, getting truly, uh, uh, truly feisty. With good reason. And oh, here for he, sure, yeah. And here he is returning the ring, which I, again, is a fascinating scene. It's a fascinating idea that they, uh, that the people of Acton sort of return her ring to her. That's, uh, mm. And also just suggests the delightful pun that it, that it is the ring of Akaten. <laughs> oh my word, yeah. <laughs> True. There's, I can, you can still see all the steam in the background. Yeah, it's, it's so odd. Once, once someone points it out, it's, uh, you can't stop yeah. it. It's really weird. Yeah, and there's the doctor looking. Oh, he's a creep in this, in this half a season. Yeah, he is. He is like shady. Like, you don't want to try. so shady. And on that note, <laughs> Cold War. Next um, time, yeah. Can the next time trailer for Cold War now? This isn't sense. a bad episode, you know. Yeah, I'd read the Black Archive on this. This would be this would be that would be really fun. Because um, there's so much to do with you know the Cold War, you know, as a historical moment in Doctor Who, you know. Um, yeah, there's yeah, there's so many good bits in this. That's Tobias Menzies, isn't it? In this. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I uh, I once saw him in the pub. <laughs> He was weird, actually. He was in the pub with with a group of men who were all at least 10 years younger than him. And it was really, really strange. Uh, I couldn't work out who they were to him. Um, oh, right. Yeah, very odd. So that was... There the we Ring- go. That was the Rings of Akaten. Fausta Crouch End Festival Chorus. Uh. 
<laughs> is that who's singing the in the background on the long song? Uh, yes, yes, I believe oh, so. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. And uh, there we go. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me to do that commentary. Uh, there's no, nobody who would uh, who would uh, better do that than you. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks very much. <laughs> uh, it's my pleasure. Um, what would you? I was about to ask you what you'd say to people to convince them to give the Rings of Akaten another go, but I, I think actually they've all watched it. Just they've all just watched it with us, haven't they? So that's, that's a bit of a daft so. question. Yeah, <laughs> my my answer my answer when I'm asked that question is like, is uh, sort of uh, give it a watch with fresh eyes. I think one of the things. I think one of the reasons why it's not it's not really looked upon so fondly is I don't think it's one people particularly rush to to rewatch, and it really does reward that I think definitely uh, on a second watch you uh, once you sort of get because I I, I I confess like when I first watched it I was I was a bit I, you know a bit lukewarm on it but Me when too. I watched it when I watched it having the context of uh, particularly series eight and and what what they're doing with Clara and the Doctor um, yeah the uh, uh, a lot of the things I liked about it jumped out a lot more. Definitely, I, f I feel the same about it. I mean, th there would have been a point where I would have said, yes, yeah, definitely the weakest one in, in Series 7, and it wouldn't even nearly be uh, a contender for that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, uh, Much as I'm the preeminent uh, sort of defender of Series 7, uh, it's, oh, it's got some turkeys. Uh, there's, much, there's much worse uh, on offer. <laughs> Uh, and what's in the pipeline for you? Like, have you got any uh, new projects you're working on? Like, presumably you're you're giving Doctor Who writing a rest for a while. <laughs> uh, I am actually, yeah. Um, I've got a piece which uh, will be out uh, within the next within the next couple of months. I'm not sure precisely when, but uh, I have a piece um, about new atheism, as we were talking about. I have um, uh, there'll be an essay uh, of mine coming out. Um, and talking about new atheism and basically uh, where you know what it was and what it's developed into, um, so it will just be about new atheism. It will be a lot of the same topics as the book, but uh, hopefully for readers who are sort of interested in interested in sort of that political history, but not necessarily in Doctor Who. So mm -hmm. yeah, uh, more stuff in a similar vein, and then I, I've no idea what I'll do after that, but um, I'm sure it won't be boring. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be anyway. Cool, fingers crossed. Great. And where can people find you on uh, Twitter, etc.? Uh, yeah, uh, I am uh, will underscore s underscore seven on Twitter. Uh, do pop by. Uh, I'm uh, having a lot of fun doing, you know, various memes and things to try and promote the book. Um, by all means, uh, please do. Uh, if if any if any of what I've said in this podcast sounds interesting to you, please do. Uh, consider buying my uh, my Rings of Akatem book. That's available from the Obverse Books website. Uh, and you can find my blog at uh, williamshawwriter.wordpress.com. So, um, yeah. Great. And you can find me on Twitter, as usual, uh, at molly underscore martian. And you can find the podcast at galactiyoyopod. And you can email me at galactiyoyopod at gmail.com. Um, and as I say, there are more episodes coming up, but I, I just don't know what, don't know when that's going to happen because uh, because of the, uh, the lockdown uh, situation. Uh, but I thought, you know, we may as well record this one while we can. And, and get it out there while the books uh, while the books still uh, still warm. Well, thanks very much. Uh, great. Uh, thanks everyone. Bye bye bye. Bye bye.